Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruskin. I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel here at the show, and that means Rebecca Lynch from the Wisconsin Working Families Party is with us. Rebecca, good to see you. Good to be here, Matt. Yes. And Robert Craig is with us. Uh, he is the Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Good day, everyone. So we have a number of topics we want to hit on. We're gonna. We'll start the show talking a bit about the pre-exist, uh, pre-existing conditions legislation that the uh, Republicans in the legislature are going to be pushing through, including in the assembly today, Thursday, as we record. We're also going to talk a little bit about uh, Planned Parenthood uh, in their efforts uh, to strike down some of the abortion regulations that have been passed uh, over the last few uh, cycles, and we'll talk also about marijuana medical legalization. Uh, the governor and the attorney general were out talking about that this week, and we'll be joined by Eric Marsh, one of our organizing co-op leaders and also a leader within uh, Normal here in southeastern Wisconsin. So we'll have Eric on later, and we'll probably talk a bit about the federal government shutdown and how it's impacting us here in Wisconsin. Uh, it has been a month. I think we're at day 27 or 28 as we record, um, and we'll talk a little bit about that impact. So Let's get started, Robert. This is obviously, I'm going to look to you to lead the conversation here, but um, essentially we have talked about uh, when this bill was introduced a couple weeks ago, uh, this, we're calling it a junk bill, right, that it uh, essentially is all about political cover. That is the only thing that this bill is about, uh, and that it's actually quite a bit of junk since it does not protect a lot of the basic things. But tell us a little bit about what's happening today and... Um, and uh, remind our folks about the top points of why this bill is garbage. It's potentially a committee vote today yep. and it's a potentially assembly vote next week. And the Senate's where this got stopped a couple times before, regular session yep. and in the lame duck, the very lame duck. It was lame one duck. vote, I believe. So, and, and we have an additional Republican senator this time, which gives them a little more uh, cover, pressure. Right. And they just lost an election on this. So <laughs> you're right to put it in the political frame. This is not about Republicans in the legislature actually giving a damn about whether people have access to affordable coverage. It's about the fact that they were bludgeoned with it in this election and the public actually saw through and saw to the moral core of conservative health care policy, which is to take health care away. So what's disturbing about it is it actually is robust uh, as part if you only look at the pre-existing condition discrimination issue it, 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 in an isolation. The problem is you can't. Because if you do this alone, so this is here's, let me take one step back. Uh, the scenario here is, is that uh, the Texas lawsuit, which Wisconsin was the second state to enter and is still in, right, thanks to the lame duck session, has put us in a situation where uh, the federal courts could suddenly take away the Affordable Care Act, okay, and that would do horrendous damage. And so this is supposed to be what we have on the books in case that happens. This is supposed to protect us, right? So the premise is all we have to do is to ban discrimination against pre-existing conditions, and by that, narrowly, you can't deny someone coverage, you can't charge them more because of their health conditions, and that will fix the problem. When in fact, states that, here's the, the thing about healthcare is you have to deal with it comprehensively. You have to create an affordable system that most people participate in. And so if you only do it piecemeal, it doesn't work. So states that tried to create guaranteed issue before the past Affordable Care Act, which is insurers have to sell on the individual market, people will buy insurance on their own, uh, generally their individual markets were destroyed. 
and rates went way, way up, and people left it because of that, because there's adverse selection, and people who are, essentially what happens is people who are really desperate tend to buy the insurance, that makes the insurance more expensive, they have higher claims, and that prices everyone out, and then more of people with pre-existions lose it until the market blows up, okay? So it is not a viable policy, it would be a disaster. We'd be worse off having this on the books if the ACA is thrown out by right-wing activist judges than if we didn't have it on the books. The other thing is, about half of the By the way, that sounds really good. Yeah, great. <laughs> but sounds like they'll, good policy. I must but be back from to the politics, they'll be able to say, <laughs> we did something about pre-existing conditions, be able to say they hope Democrats voted against it and attack Democrats for not being on it. I would hope, and I didn't get a chance to talk to Gordon Hintz uh, last night at the Fred Kessler roast, I wanted to, that Democrats understand that Republicans are so uncredible on health care people aren't going to believe the attack, that having this stupid recorded vote on this little technical part of, of, of pre-existing conditions is not going to matter. The other thing is about half of, before you go to this, employer-based insurance, which is called self-insured, where the, the employer is taking the risk, isn't covered. And so, and they can't cover it because it's only under federal law. So it actually doesn't even cover every, a lot of, more, a ton of people, but it will create a situation where people won't, people with pre issue will not have access to coverage, but they'll be able to say, hey, we did something. Rebecca, before I get to you, the pro- the, what's interesting is I, of course, laid out the political framework, but the problem in that political framework is, right, like Tony Evers could perceive himself as being damaged by this. And He's what been I, strong. Right, it, and that's what's great, and we'll get to that. But what I like about what you said was you started with this would be worse than doing nothing, right? And that's important because then there's, like, if that's the frame also on top of this is political, there's no political damage to be had. My concern is when I listen to the news, when I listen to public radio this morning, the frame isn't exactly that. The frame is very muddied. In fact, it was like, well, would this, would this, be, would this be good or for the Republicans or not? No, would this... And yes, you know, and I'm like, well, you know... It was totally muddled as to like, well, this would do some things, but it really doesn't cover everything, but it could be better, right? Like, so it was totally muddied, right? So like, that's what I liked about the clarity. And I hope, and I'm, before I get to Rebecca, I want our listeners to have, if you didn't listen, roll this back, go back and listen to that because you got to call your, your reps and your senators immediately and tell them this is political and doing this would be worse than doing nothing. It's and very I'll, important. I'll talk about the insurance issue in a bit, but before Rebecca yeah. should yeah. weigh in first. Oh, just quickly, I think on a political level, it's also uh, much worse than doing nothing, which is why it's so important that Governor Evers is standing strong. This is, you know, and I hate to talk about people's lives and use the word leverage, but like this is the only issue around healthcare that's going to get Republicans to the table. They felt it, as, as Robert said, you know, in this past election, it was very much a referendum on healthcare. They felt at the ballot box, and there was a lot of pressure on Republicans in Madison to do something about pre-existing conditions. And so if they are, you know, uh, first of all, on a policy level, this would be terrible to move forward. But on a political level, if this moves forward, then we'll never get them back to the table on fixing our healthcare system. And um, oh, by the way, in the interview I was listening to, and they described it as, "Well, Tony could do this now, and then later on he could fix it." It's just some like, kind what? of magical fantasy. I was land. like, yeah. it, and this was a professor. I was like, who's supposedly supposed to be a political scientist? I'm like, what? What? 
there was a lot not of how this works. There was a lot of that in the hearing, and that's what the insurance companies were saying. So a couple little policy points just... can still have lifetime and annual limits. Okay, so that of course, if you had a very serious form of cancer, you'd hit that, right? Uh, you can also it take essential benefits aren't there, so you can manipulate the coverage so it doesn't cover the more expensive things. So even if even if the individual market would still be functional with this bill only in effect in the ACA repealed and no subsidies to buy insurance and all the other things the ACA has, you would probably have junk insurance that hit a lifetime limit. In the hearing, when the Legislative Fiscal Bureau was asked, well, what would happen if someone hit a limit, like an annual limit, right? Uh, would they have a right to just switch insurance companies? And Fiscal Bureau said yes. So who's going to sell insurance under those conditions, right? Because that means the most sickest people will just hit a lifetime yeah. at the other firm and then go to you. But the insurance agency knows this, right? And this is why you can't rely on uh, self-interested corporations to defend the public interest, which we ought to know, but we don't seem to as a society. They know this. They went in there, and I was talking to John Peacock from Kids Forward, who was there and was, you know, appalled. I didn't get to Madison, but he was there and testified. And the insurance companies were all, like, catching their bets and saying, well, this is a good first step, but we need other reforms. And they're quoted in the paper this way. Uh, the uh, uh, the uh, director of government public affairs for Wisconsin's Association of Health Plan says more work will need to be done to ensure Wisconsin's health insurance marketplace here is to provide high quality, more affordable coverage to everybody. This legislation builds a strong foundation for future efforts. That, that's, that's what Great. I'm worried about. You know what? They know that's not true. They don't want to cross the Republicans. And quite frankly, they don't give a shit. They don't, if they, they don't want to be seen as the ones who are pro-pre-existing condition because guess who came up with pre-existing conditions? <laughs> These guys. And they're mostly guys. Yeah, no, I think, you know, what'll be really interesting to see moving forward is not only what happens, you know, with this piece of legislation and whether or not it passes the Republican Senate and how the Evers administration responds to that or doesn't, but also looking ahead to the budget, you know, how healthcare shows up in uh, the Evers administration's budget and their their negotiations with the legislature. So they'll be, I, I have a feeling we'll be talking about healthcare every week on this show. Yeah, you're right. And especially for all the reasons you laid out. Um, but again, before we go to break, I want to remind um, our listeners, it is really important that you contact your state legislators. That's both your state rep who, you know, whether they voted uh, before by the time you listen to this or not, your state senator in particular, very important. Please contact them. We'll have contact links on here. And remember, simple message, this is worse than doing nothing. Please don't do it. And it's just completely political. If you want the details, go take a look at our stuff, re-listen, but make sure you reach out uh, with your state senator. And, you know, unless you have faith, they say, the Republicans, they'll do more later. If you believe that, go right along. But Nope. And don't, that, please don't put that into your message. And a lot of it, you point out, weak media coverage. I love the Capital Times, but the Capital Times story I'm looking at right now doesn't even give the, a clear frame and just that's, says, oh, the Democrats just want more comprehensive. No. That's why I wanted to talk about it, but we got to go. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. We're talking about uh, the pre-existing legis pre conditions legislation that is going to be in a vote in the Assembly and will be headed to the Senate next week. And Robert, before we switch topics, I do want you to just talk a little bit about Evers. He's been very solid on this and saying he will not 
He will veto anything that isn't equal or better, better than what the existing law is. Um, let's just little your thoughts on sort of where Evers is and uh, before we switch topics. Yeah, I mean, one of the great things about Tony is he's serious about government and about facts, right? And he hired as his health secretary someone who was key to implementing the Affordable Care Act, so he's actually acting on that. He could just be politically crass and say, hey, I'm going to protect pre-existing conditions. But he's not doing that. Now, the Republicans probably think he's trying to prevent them from taking a political issue away. I don't think that's his default. I think his default, which ought to be with any good progressive, is making government work. And so there's a reason for the, all, we have all the elements of the ACA. I'm not saying every single provision is essential, but the, the fundamental ones are you have to have a requirement of what good health insurance is. You have to have a way for people to afford it. You have to have mechanisms that encourage healthy people to participate as well as people who have health conditions so you spread cost and risk. And if you ju you can't just cherry pick the provisions, the ones that are that are more popular or you, because quite frankly, people with pre-existing conditions will not have access to coverage if you follow conservative health policy which seems to be repeal the whole ACA and just leave this remaining, this little political fig leaf for them. Okay, folks, make those calls. Um, we are going to move topics slightly. Robert, um, we're gonna, I wanna talk about the Planned Parenthood lawsuit, but before we do, we have talked about wanting to talk about Tony Evers as it relates to how right-wing media has been talking about him. I think you have an update on that before we move ahead? Well, I think as many listeners know in Citizen Action, Co-op members know we have a project in Milwaukee called Radioactive about tracking right-wing radio. And so I've done doing a little monitoring myself, but what I've been looking for is not the specific factual claims, but what is the broader narrative? Because unlike the left, where a lot of us individuals have narratives, but we don't really have a shared narrative, and we're not like ants where they can all get on the same page. You'll notice on right-wing talk shows, gee, they have the same message frame, all of them. How did that happen? Yeah, right? uh, Stuart uh, has basically used, used that to yeah. basically make a 20-year career out <laughs> of their messaging. So I don't know that they, they're going to, they're probably experimenting early on, so this may not settle in as the dominant one, but this is quite dominant right now, from what I can tell. And that is that Tony Evers is incompetent, that he was not qualified to be governor, that he's a bureaucrat, that sort of the Peter principle, that he's been promoted to the point of his incompetence, that he only became governor because the Democratic primary was a mess and he just had name recognition, and so he wasn't really vetted then, and then he just skated through because people were just voting for the generic Democrat, basically. My word's not theirs. And then, so everything he's doing proves incompetent. So driver's licenses for, for undocumented people is, how would that work? Only someone who doesn't know anything about government would do that. Not understanding, of course, idiots that in multiple states do it and it works and it's fine, okay? But aside, so don't get into the facts, think of the narrative frame, right? Mm -hmm. And so everything is an example of his incompetence. And so him thinking he can get Medicaid expansion, well, it won't pass the legislature, so he doesn't know what he's talking about, as opposed to taking a position using the leverage of the office. Any change he makes is the incompetence and not, re not ready for prime time. And then Mandela Barnes is thrown in because you gotta racialize it, right, for the right-wing radio audience. Mandela is both incompetent and unqualified, but he's also a scary radical, which is a little bit of a tension. Uh, but, uh, uh, and, uh, 
And so they're, they're constantly talking about what things will be found for Mandela to do because Mandela's incompetent but dangerously radical and he'll be given some sort of policy portfolio that will do damage and watch out. So they get scariness because kind of like being Elmer Fudd isn't probably scary enough, which is sort of the Evers so frame. Say, by the way, I, I, we're gonna, we'll talk more about this in future shows, but at some point they can unpack the fact that they lost in spite of all of this incompetence and fraud. radical and yeah, exactly. the cartoon character. <laughs> so anyways, well, we'll see. We'll see how that uh, plays out going forward. So Rebecca, we need to switch topics here and talk a little bit about our friends over at Planned Parenthood because this is um, a critical issue. And we talked about it a lot over the last eight years, uh, particularly as the Walker administration and the Republicans have just hammer and tongs gone after Planned Parenthood in particular as an organization and institution, right? But also just in general, access to, to health care and women's uh, health. So tell us a little bit more about uh, yesterday, Planned Parenthood. They asked a, a, a federal judge uh, to repeal a state law uh, that would make it more difficult for women, particularly in rural areas, to receive abortions. Can you give us more details, please? Sure. So uh, Planned Parenthood is uh, taking the state to court uh, over a few laws that make it difficult for women in Wisconsin to have abortions. One requires uh, makes it a felony for anyone other than a doctor to uh, provide an abortion to to a client. So that means midwives, nurse practitioners, qualified nurses aren't able to do that, which, again, as you mentioned, really impacts women in rural areas. There are only so many places where there are doctors who provide this. Uh, There's another law that uh, requires that women see the same doctor on two separate visits. Uh, I remember and, we talked about this with Tanya Atkinson. Yes. Yeah, and so you know, as uh, is pointed out in the lawsuit by Planned Parenthood, Par- Planned Parenthood, often women will see maybe a different doctor on their second visit. So just like another barrier. Uh, and the last is that a doctor be present when dispensing uh, abortion-inducing drugs. And so all of this makes it, um, it creates incredibly high barriers to women getting um, the healthcare that they need. Uh, particularly, you know, as we mentioned, in uh, rural areas, but throughout the state. And so this is being challenged uh, in the course by Planned Parenthood on a couple different levels. Um, one is our, the, our women, our constitutional right to privacy, and the other is equal protection under the law for uh, doctors, nurses, other folks. So, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, this was filed um, less than two weeks after Governor Evers took office. Uh, it puts uh, the attorney general uh, in a slightly strange position in that he was endorsed when running by Planned Parenthood, but you know his role is to defend the state, and so we'll see we'll see how that plays out. Um, but generally, I think Planned Parenthood has had um, success in federal courts in the past in pushing back against unconstitutional law. And so, you know, I'm not a lawyer. We'll see how this goes, but I think this is probably. Um, the first of many steps in terms of rolling back some of the, some of the really onerous, um, you know, laws and regulations that have been impinging on the rights of women in Wisconsin that have been passed over the course of the Walker administration. Yeah, I just ask folks to think this to consider options. Is it more likely that conservative Republicans and the right to the anti-abortion movement uh, have imposed these restrictions because they want to make abortion safe? and women's health safer, or because they're trying to find backdoor ways to limit a constitutional right that they disagree with. I think it's obviously the latter. In fact, I'm willing to debate any conservative on that. They're, I think they're lying if they tell you otherwise. 
And the problem is right-wing judges, who are not really judges, uh, simply agree and are looking for ways to restrict something the Supreme Court has decided is a fundamental constitutional right. And so, obviously, they're going to have to make an actual medical case for this stuff, and it's never been made because that's not the motive. Yeah, it's really funny. You know, it, we have both sides arguing that they're looking out for the health of the women. Um, but, of course, that's not, you know, what the right to life society and other folks are really concerned about. Because if they were, they would make, they would increase safe access to medical services for women in Wisconsin instead of pushing people into desperate situations where, you know, they have back alley abortions and whatever else. You mean they might actually encourage family planning, which they also well, seem to be too. against. Yeah. 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 Well, no, this, obviously, this is great news that they're doing this and that they're moving very quickly on this. But even just to get this back into the public conversation, uh, it's why I wanted to make sure we talk about it because, I mean, I don't think this stuff stands up in, in public scrutiny. And Robert, you framed it, you, you know, in terms of like this idea that somehow, um, yeah, no, and Rebecca, this idea that they're both saying they're doing it in the interests of women's health, right? Well, I, let's have that public debate. And I think this is great. And I think legally too, we ought to have it. And you know, if the courts don't, don't come on the right side on this, right? Like, let's have that public debate too. So, cause the stakes are extraordinarily high. And again, this gets back to one of Walker, one of the things that Walker was all about and the Republicans were about was it was also going after our institutions and Planned Parenthood is a critical institution. Uh, in the progressive movement, and that was this is all a part of that too, right? Uh, beyond just what it how it impacts women, um, since we do like to talk about the political impacts of this stuff. So, uh, shout out to Planned Parenthood, and let's uh, we'll we'll track this, and hopefully this suit will will have some success. We got to take a break. Again, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. When we get back, we are going to be joined by Eric Marsh. He's a Citizen Action Organizing Co-op member and a leader in normal southeastern wisconsin and we're going to talk about tony evers and news around medical marijuana again you're listening to battleground wisconsin welcome back to the battleground wisconsin we are really fortunate to be joined by eric marsh eric is the executive director of southeastern wisconsin normal and he's also uh, a leader in our uh, organizing cooperative here at Citizen Action. Eric, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. We are really excited to have you in because we've had you in before. We talked a lot before the election about trying to make this an issue and how there's been, there were tr tremendous work done on these referendums throughout the state and a lot of counties and other municipalities and overwhelming support. We have a Marquette poll that comes out uh, the standard that says basically most, I think it was what, 62, 61, 61% 61 not only want medical marijuana, which we're going to talk about in a second, but full legalization. Mm -hmm. So our governor yesterday, well, geez, seems like he was on a bit of a media blitz along with the attorney general to try to push for medical marijuana. He's going to put it in his budget and he wants a referendum. Tell us more. And am I right to be super excited about the movement finally? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a good time to be excited. Um, I mean, I was a little bit nervous that he hadn't said anything publicly since the election and we had been trying to reach out to him for a while and hadn't heard anything back. So we were starting to get a little antsy. And so we started an email campaign on around noon on Monday to send out emails to Tony, encouraging him to put legalization of cannabis in the budget. And we were asking for, for full legalization where they'd be making $130 million a year annually um, off of recreational sales. 
but within 24 hours, because I guess he, it was a press conference on Tuesday where he announced this, that he was going to be putting medical cannabis in the budget, and he said that he is fully supportive of recreational legalization, and he yep. sees medical cannabis as a first step towards that, and he wants to make sure that it's done right so that uh, smaller, smaller businesses and local entrepreneurs aren't regulated out of the industry, and it's not just taken over by big corporations. That's huge news. That's the first time an executive in our state of any yeah. level, anyone I think in statewide office has said something like that and might be in a position to do something about it. Um, so obviously the legislature, you know, let's... Gets tricky. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, do we think, I mean, is there movement? I mean, I know on the libertarian side, right, we've talked about oh, this yeah. in the past, uh, there is... There's a different opinion on this, and Wisconsin Republican Party is very right-wing in a kind of a traditional way, but it does have some libertarian streaks in it. Any hope in the legislature? That yeah, I, I think I think it, I think I mean I personally am hopeful that we'll be able to get medical cannabis through in this legislative session. I mean, just given the referendums, where in Robin Voss's district in particular, 83% of his constituents support medical cannabis. He got elected with 61% of the vote. I mean, it's far more popular than even he is there. He has a strong track record of caring about public opinion. I mean, I know, I know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I know. I don't. I know. That, that's, that's, that's what everyone, that's what everyone says. 81% but, a lot. But you know, that's why we're going to be holding uh, some like informational events down there with doctors and cannabis patients yep. talking about the benefits of it. We want it, We're going to be doing some big door-to-door uh, -door canvases down there to to let people know that Voss is kind of a linchpin in this at the moment. Um, and so we're going to be really hitting, focusing on his district heavily and just making sure that everyone knows that everyone knows how much support there is down there and that he can't just get away with playing dumb. So. I have a question about full legalization for you. So uh, I understand that, like, even getting you know medical cannabis passed uh, it, with this legislature and, and with Voss is going to be a challenge. So I live in the real world, but at mm -hmm. the same time, it seems to me that there is like no way around doing full legalization to accomplish like some of like more than one of the key promises and planks of the Evers campaign and now the Evers administration's like platform. And so, you know, whether it comes to, you know, uh, decarceration, you know, how do we not do full legalization now to, to combat that when it comes to listening to the people of Wisconsin, you know, poll after poll after referenda after referenda show that like folks in the state really support legal Legalization, um, and 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 I, I don't know. It's it's really interesting, right? So like, in addition to the referenda that have been passed by some localities, there are other localities, like for example in Racine, who are trying to limit the fine to a dollar. And what we're finding is because of the draconian nature of laws in the state that there's like state-imposed court fees that actually make it impossible for there to be an only dollar fine, right? That mm -hmm. actually people mm -hmm. end up having to pay what something like 60, 67, 60, like $70, something in that range, which for a family that could barely put food on the table for dinner is like going to fast food, $70 is a hell of a lot of money. So, you know, I think uh, just in terms of, of doing what you know, Governor Evers set out to do when he started campaigning for governor, which is cut the prison population, um, listen to the voters. It seems like there's no way around doing full legalization. So I guess my question for you is like, what's next after this? Like, let's imagine, um, you know, which is already a huge feat that may or may not happen, that medical gets passed mm -hmm. in the budget, um, which I know is really tough, but let's imagine that happens. Then what, what do you think is next in terms of organizing? Um, yeah, after medical gets passed, definitely 
definitely recreational is the next thing to go. And I'm hoping that we can do medical more or less in tandem with decriminalization to kind of stop the bleeding, so to, so to speak, of, of people getting arrested and especially with second offense felonies and all that. But yeah, I mean, full recreational is definitely the ultimate goal, which is why we were, why we were asking for it in our emails to Evers, even knowing that it's going to be very hard to get through the legislature because it's, you know, we're, we're pushing for what we really want here. Um, but then, I mean, ultimately, it, it's gonna it's gonna depend on the 2020 election. I think we we're gonna have to flip some more seats over to the Democrats. Um, we're gonna have to kick out some of these prohibitionists because I think it's it's an uphill battle. And as we've seen with you know the lame duck stuff and and with Foxconn and all these other major issues that we have here in Wisconsin, like the the legislature just they don't care. They don't care what what the people think, as you know you had just quipped a little bit yeah. earlier. And so I mean we'll we'll keep pushing on. I think medical, especially given these referendums, has an open pathway now. And again, that's not going to necessarily be an easy thing to go through to push through, especially like a good medical bill that allows people to pick out like a strain and have use it in whatever form they feel is most effective as opposed to some really restricted only tinctures you have to use it orally only this one kind there's there's some a lot of states that have medical marijuana laws quote unquote that it's it's extremely restricted only for severe illness and you have to take this strain that way and we don't want that here in Wisconsin we want a nice open law and yeah I, I think it's really gonna have to come down down to the the elections in 2020 if we really want good recreation La Paz. So, Eric, as a longtime campaigner on this and inveterate, right, things have changed a lot. Oh, yeah. It reminds me a little bit of gay marriage where mm -hmm. it seemed impossible, impossible, that all of a sudden, what? This could actually happen, right? It seemed yeah, that yeah, way to a lot of yeah. people. So change is quick sometimes, and, and it doesn't even, right? Mm -hmm. But there's still clearly op some kind of resistance in the system. And I'm wondering where you think it's coming from. I mean, whether it, whether it is what particular constituencies, is it just inertia, uh, or what's still there? Is it, is it interested parties like uh, drug companies that want to sell opiates? I'm just curious what you think. And you still have this, maybe part of it's just this prejudice. I remember Scott Walker saying he was against legalizing industrial hemp because it was a gateway drug. <laughs> so maybe it's some of that too. But what's your sense... How's the terrain shifted, right? And and what is still the primary sources of opposition that are still there that are still making this hard? Yeah, I mean the main the main source of opposition that that we see is from the the police uh, uh, in Wisconsin talking mm. to the legislators. Um, at least the the main source of you know more or less legitimate opposition. I mean the influence that the big pharmaceutical companies and the tavern league and and whatnot have over our politicians. I mean that's certainly there. It's very hard to quantify, and of so course, police, it's unspoken. Tavern League, yeah. The Tavern um, League. That's well, we won't get into that. But right, that's, and right. the police just that's think right. what? What is the what do the police claim? Um, the police. <laughs> they, they like to their their main thing that they talk about is impaired driving. Um, we, I was actually up in uh, Portage last week, and we were talking with some high school students. There was like the Portage police chief was there, Melissa Sargent was there, and a couple of us from Normal. And that was the main thing they were talking about. And so, actually, so actually, they want to get rid of drinking too. Well, because <laughs> that impairs. Driving. I know, right? And that that was that and was definitely totally our argument. Like, okay, great, well, thanks. Well, actually, the, the crux of their argument around <laughs> that was that you know, there it's we're still doing a lot of research on like how cannabis impairs driving and that there aren't good level we don't know exactly where to where the cutoff should be and there's not a whole lot of great like roadside and you know testing for it you have to bring them in for a blood test and so that that was more their concern is just like well okay we know there's a cutoff somewhere but we don't know where how it about is. we, we don't just know say how zero how about we just say zero 
and legal, like I'm not that sure Eric's for that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> well, saying no, that. Zero, I'm not saying that, zero, but like even that, with that's, how long that's an inconsistent. In your I know, but I'm saying that's an inconsistent <laughs> argument. Smoke, right? Like, you can smoke. Why would that be? Basically, a that would basically that would prohibit anyone who uses cannabis from driving. You know, would be the de facto of, result of that. Of course, so. I, but but they're logical. I'm trying to. I'm right. sorry. I'll stop going after their logic. Right? Like if that was legitimate <laughs> argument, they could just right. say, okay, fine, legalize it. But by the way, like in the same way, don't want you to be impaired when you're obviously don't go out and like right. you know do. Well, I think I think a lot of people um, in the cannabis community would would kind of prefer what we have now to that because of the fact that if it's legalized and we have this this zero tolerance policy that is now being very strictly enforced, I and mean, we have a zero tolerance policy for it now, I suppose, but it's right. people aren't looking for it as much now. I, I hear what and you're saying, and I've heard that you know DUIDs driving on the influence of drugs have gone up, or the arrests for it have gone up in other states, because once they legalize it, then the cops are looking for it more. It's out there. That's an excellent point, and I will definitely want to talk talk uh, more about that. Um, we got to take a break. You interested in sticking around? Yeah. We'll just talk a little bit more about this. Um, we are the Battleground Wisconsin. We're talking with Eric Marsh about some movement around uh, legalization of medical marijuana, and hopefully more. Uh, we got to take a break. You can find us at Citizen Action WI. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. We're talking with Eric Marsh about some of the movement and the discuss uh, the public uh, comments by Governor Evers, and also we haven't mentioned it, but Attorney General Call was also mm-hmm. saying, and Call, if I'm correct, was also saying that he would support full. Legalization. I had a, um, he quote was quoted that for the revenue, even though he is also saying really only public at this point he supports the medical. It, okay, yeah. Educate guess, me. <clears throat> educate me. What? Where, where's where's our AG? I, I guess. Yeah. I guess I'm not. I what I had heard is that he said he supports medical cannabis because it'll tackle the opiate crisis. I guess I haven't. You're the first that I've heard that he said something about recreational, but I might be wrong about that just because, I mean, it's like I didn't know about Evers comments on Tuesday until Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, it takes a little bit for things to work their way through. But yeah. I, I thought I thought he had only stated some for medical, but I might be wrong about that. Yeah, I want to say I thought I had heard him say something about the revenue that it could bring into the state, um, which sounds like to me, hopefully on the optimistic side, I think Rebecca's points about really like Evers ought to be doing this, and if he's really serious about the huge issue of mass incarceration, this is central to, to making that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good to see that hopefully they are on the same page and they want to push and they have a plan that like in the next four, two, three, whatever, that this is going to happen, the end game, full legalization. Yeah, yeah I, I would hope, though, that I guess, I guess this is like a really interesting test case to see how this administration works because... I would hope that if this is something that the governor is putting forward that is going to be hard to pass, that they would respond to Eric's multiple requests to get in touch because I'm sure that like in his years of organizing around this issue, he has, you know, activists who are cancer survivors and activists who have re- who who can really make powerful cases for why we need this policy and I'm sure so- at least some of them live in Republican state senate districts and it seems like, you know, that's the kind of um leadership and organizing and communication that we need to see from the administration like we need to do our part but I think there needs to be you know we want to we can't help them if we don't know how to help and I think um, this is the kind of policy um, that we don't pass without bringing out those really compelling stories and and doing the kind of work you mentioned you were doing in Voss's district so I'm not it'll be interesting to see how the administration works with 
um, the communities that have been advocating on this for years in this in this policy. And I think it'll be kind of like instructive on how they plan to do that moving forward on other issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, Brian Siemensen from Madison Normal had met had a meeting with Tony and Mandela before the election to talk about this issue. And that's where Tony had privately stated his support for recreational and reiterated his support for medical. <clears throat> but he had, been, he had been reaching out to him since the election several times, and we hadn't heard anything back. And so we were starting to feel a little sidelined and, and like, okay, yeah, they, they got our support for, for the election, and now what, they're just kicking us to the curb. He's not saying anything. He's refusing to meet with us. He won't even, like, respond back. So it was it was definitely nice to hear him, him come out publicly on recreational as well, saying he's going to put something in the budget. Yeah, I think they could use your help. Yeah, it, so, it, it sounds like I'm hoping he'll meet it. with us, you know, at, at some point soon. So I... While I poked fun at the Voss thing, I actually like the strategy a lot. And could you do you have any more details on that for our listeners who might want to participate in starting to build a field operation that can right. start to talk to Voss during the cycle that maybe then could flip to what you thought the end game here is 2020 and probably targeting and removing a number of these. And that starts yeah. by getting out there and doing the work. Um, tell our listeners about how they can get involved in doing that activity. Yeah, so we're we're still putting together like the planning of what you know this canvassing and these these different events are, are going to look look like. But we have a number of you know the the people and, and whatnot in place. Um, but if people are interested in that, um, go to our our website sewinormal.org. Um, check us out on Facebook at Southeastern Wisconsin Normal, and that's N O R M L. Um, and and contact us to get involved and. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be putting together, you know, scheduling like our canvases and, and figuring out um, messaging and materials and all that at shortly within, you know, the next few weeks here. And also putting together these uh, cannabis town halls where we're going to have like patients and doctors talking about the benefits of medical cannabis that they've seen. And we, we could definitely, you know, use if you if you have a story to tell as far as like how medical cannabis has helped you, that's definitely helpful. Um, and we just really want to hit his district hard. Uh, particularly with canvassing to, to promote these town hall events. We're, we're thinking of doing our annual march, which we've always had in Milwaukee here. We're thinking of doing that in Robin Boss's district oh, this that's year. Great. Um, we don't know exactly where in his district yet. We just decided on Tuesday that it makes more sense to do it down there. Um, and so we're going to have a lot of stuff to, to be canvassing about and to be getting the word out. And so we just want to have as many volunteers as we can down in, in Boss's district hitting hitting it hard. And we'll, we'll start that probably you know in February or, or so. Yeah, I think... You know, in my following up, really, quite frankly, what Rebecca was saying about really the long term vision of what Eber said, I take yesterday as a signal. It's time for us to organize these folks. They're sending the message. Here's what my value is long term. We can quibble with his plan, maybe, and we need to be the ones that put the public pressure on both him. Uh, and, and to shape this environment. So I really want to challenge our listeners. We will continue to talk about this. When you get more details, we'll put it on our Facebook page too. Okay. We'll try to continue talking about this, and if you send us any events, we'll make sure on future shows, even if it's just mentioning what the dates and times are. But look, this is a massive opportunity uh, on this issue. We have a window here where we just had newly elected folks come out and tell us that they want to do something and that their values are there. Let's 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 win this. And I so I would really want to challenge folks to get involved in this issue to address what Rebecca said. We we this is critical to ending mass incarceration. Mm -hmm. Thank you for all the hard work that you and Normal have done on this issue, right? Over time and and want to thank you for your leadership in our organizing co-op. Of course. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So with that, 
we are going to quickly talk very briefly about what's been going on in the federal shutdown, okay? We have not talked a lot about this. We generally try to focus on state-level issues, but, like, this has reached a level of just surrealness. We're, we're past historic records. I think we're day 27, 28, it's a impacting month. impacting the state, certainly. It is impacting the state. Uh, we, are, we know a lot about how it's impacting workers. The stories are out, but, like, it's been impacting the state. In particular, we found out unemployment in, uh, uh, insurance uh, claims went up 18%. Rebecca? Yeah, 18% in the state of Wisconsin. So, you know, we have a lot of in workers, federal workers, who are impacted by this shutdown in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, obviously, we're seeing it nationally. Uh, visible examples are TSA agents. I just took a flight last week. Um, but, you know, it's something that is so um, wild that we're seeing folks that don't often talk about issues like this discuss it. So yesterday, uh, Cardi B made waves by putting a video on her Instagram where she was like, this is really serious. And I don't want to hear that anyone say that President Obama had a shutdown because that was to make sure that we could all have health care. This is a very different situation. And so it was really impressive um, to, to see her say that and kind of made waves. But, you know, nationally, this has really um, reached levels of being just bizarre, right? We're, I think we're in the 27th day. Um, we've now, uh, workers who work for the IRS have had to be brought back without pay, which some people think might be, you know, illegal servitude and, like, there's some, like, legal, um, disagreements yeah, about, 13th like... 13th Amendment, right? Right, yeah. right. <laughs> They're being forced to come back to start, because tax season is starting, right? And so, um, there's just... It, it, I, I don't even really know what to say. Yeah. Well, well, what's critical about this is that anytime a shutdown and it gets this level, is it's really starting to remind people just how important federal government is, just how much we depend on a lot of institutions to have a functioning democracy. Robert. No, Matt's right. This is a nice, it's it, unfortunate, but it, very unfortunate, but it's a nice tutorial on all the things. Who knew the government knew? does all the economic forecasting? We have no idea how the economy is going now, and so on and so forth. There's more every day. So it. It's a tutorial. The UW, all the research, a lot of the stuff that goes on, just and the interconnectedness is, it's They got nothing. Farmers. I mean, you can tell Ron Johnson had one of those tele-town halls where you, you pick the questioners so you don't have to ask tough questions. We got hammered anyway, and so it's all the Democrats' fault, which is not credible. So the only good thing about Trump is it takes the veneer off because it's obvious whose fault it is, okay? But here's the thing. I think... I, my one caution to progressives is not to get caught in this notion this is just one man who's acting erratically. The whole conservative revolution is about discrediting government, discrediting democracy, and trashing it. And as Grover Norquist said, shrink it so you could, you could drown it in a bathtub, okay? And there are a lot of federal workers who are being harmed now who probably vote Republican. I mean, I think that it, it depends what sector you're talking in. There are a lot of Democrats, but there are plenty of Republicans. You need to understand they have no regard for you. And the, and the, the great uh, example of that is Glenn Grothman, who joined only five other members of the House, as John Nichols has told us in a nice article, in voting not to guarantee back pay. 
So he just got returned to office in suburban Milwaukee, and this is a man who thinks we should people shouldn't be paid back pay in this situation. It's unbelievable. But just remember, this actually benefits conservatives because when, the go- when people get cynical about government, then they turn away from it. and You can't use it for positive purposes. So we, we, we can say this is awful and, it, and, and it's not doing well in opinion polls, but in a bizarre sort of way, it actually f- fulfill, it serves the purposes of the conservative movement. Well, with that, we are out of time. We'll talk. I'm, unfortunately, I'm afraid we'll be talking more about this because I'm not sure that this is going to end. Uh, but we got to wrap up this show. That is one thing I am sure of. I want to thank our guest, Eric Marsh, for joining us today. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. This is the Battleground Wisconsin. We'll see you next week.